Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, is mine? We're not going to be fucking sunk this year with the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vizana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Hey, Noel. A little bit later, we're going to have our good friend, Matt Moderno, to talk some whiz. The third bro. The third bro. And also, it's Friday, so another installment of... Top five Friday. Indeed. Indeed. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of Fridays, what? there's a couple big things on Friday, man. You got Mortal Kombat. Oh, shit. Coming I'm out. so excited about that. And then the finale of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That show's getting good. It is getting good. I was not impressed the first couple episodes, but it's gotten serious. I mean, it's more event. I told you it's like more Avengers, I, a little darker version of it. I thought it it's was nice. going to be like a buddy comedy. That's what it started seeming like it was going to be. Yeah. Abbott and Costello bullshit. But it's gotten yeah. serious. Like right. very few one-liners or anything. Down to business. Let's- I was watching it with Evan. I was like, "Damn, this thing's almost rated R." <laughs> it is. I mean, there's a it's lot good. of death and like nice carnage. I love a it. A lot of carnage. Yeah, I love but, it. And it's not just like Marvel deaths. It reminds me of like when Wolverine, not Logan, but uh, oh hell the, no, not no, Logan. No, no, Logan. Yeah, <laughs> not to that extent. But the one before that, he comes in and he does the, the double... Uh, the double stab to the chest on that dude? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, all right. Well, speaking of Carnage, Mortal Kombat is going to be no holds barred. I don't know if the movie's going to be good or not. The trailers look like they're okay, but I can tell you one thing. They pull no punches in that movie. I would hope not. I want to yeah. see some serious fatalities. I want to see spine ripped out of back. Well... I would hope so. Yeah, it better be old school. Finish him. <laughs> I don't like in the promo uh, Scorpion's voice in it. Awful. What is and that? That's what turned me off. He's like, get over here. Get over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on. We can't get that right. Right. Just and, take and it off the it, fucking game. And if it's shitty, don't put it in the trailer. Oh, God. You know, at least let me be annoyed when he does it and like rips a guy's skull out. And then I'll be like, all right, I can I can accept that. Yeah. Because the kill was awesome. Yeah. So those are two big things coming up, man. Thank you for reminding me. I totally forgot about it. That's what I'm here for, man. That's why we're bros. That's why we're bros. All right. Well, we got a long show, so let's get this thing rolling, shall we? Do it. All right. So to start things off. Noel's old friend, Alex Smith, is back in the news. Unbelievable. I almost begged you not to do this, but I understand why you're doing it, so I'm I'm game. Yeah, this is not so much about Alex. This is about the Washington coaching staff and the medical staff. So Smith was interviewed at length in a Sports Illustrated article entitled Healed Enough to Walk Away. 
you know, no need to talk at all on this one. Keep your thoughts to yourself. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> this is where he talked about his decision to retire, among many other topics. The topic that stood out to me and, and to Washington fans was when he was trying to make his comeback and to prove to the new coaching staff, obviously Ron Rivera and the crew there, that he would like to continue playing. There's a lot here. So I'm going to go through a few excerpts of the article as briefly as I can. So the article reads as follows. Sometimes Smith saw his coaches flinch when they spied the blood that dripped from underneath his brace. He told friends he would not complain if they released him, told them he wasn't good enough or deemed him too much of a risk. Still, he did not understand the tactics his coaches used to keep him sidelined. First, they placed him on the physically unable to perform list, the PUP even though world-renowned doctors had pronounced him physically able to perform. At camp, players wore GPS trackers. That's something new. And none, tra- <laughs> and none traversed 4,000 yards a day on average like Smith, whose coaches asked him to carry extra weight, push sleds, and hurdle bags for drills. Tassie had never done in 15 pro seasons, let alone before his leg had to be rebuilt. Did he have to uh, carry pads for the uh, players that were actually <laughs> contributing to? Pads and helmets? Yeah, he yeah. was doing that. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> Smith believed the team wanted to see if it could break him. And if it sounds paranoid, the team physician agreed with him. They seemed to be asking, Dr. Robin West says, quote, what can he withstand? Are you sure you're clearing him? The coaches would ask. West would try and explain, the short answer is yes. The disclaimer, she would assess his, his leg based on informed medical opinion. Quote, I got very little support, she said. He almost died. He almost lost his leg. Why would he want to? Reasonable question. That's not your decision, West told them. Smith found the coaches patronizing, meaning he believed they preferred a cute story, the comeback already at the end. His father, Doug, says he believes the team sabotaged the return. None of the Smiths could figure out why. The coaches could worry about the injury in his future, but they were not experts. Quote from Alex, I'd rather have somebody right in my face say, what are you thinking? It pissed me off. Something of note as well here, not a part, well, it was part of the article, but I'm going to briefly talk about it, that Dr. Robin West, who was in Project 11 all over that thing, who was a Washington football doctor, resigned from the team after 18 years in the league just two weeks ago. This is uh, definitely a new side of the story. Sorry to bore you with all that, everyone, but I thought it needed to be said if you haven't read the story. So, Noel, what are your thoughts on this? I'm so interested. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a one-sided story. First off, can we say that? We'll agree on that. Sure. Um, it's his side. It's his side. And Dr. Robin West as well, too. I mean, and sorry, if I saw a leg that had a medical contraption around it with bolts and needles embedded in it with blood coming out, I might wince a little bit, too, looking at it. And I'd be like, damn, man, the hell is that? He seems like he's very hypersensitive in a lot of the things. It's a double-edged sword here. If the coaches didn't give a shit and said, you know what, you're good, go. There would be backlash and criticism of that action, okay? Now, they're being criticized because, to me, they seem to have been being a little bit too careful. If the guy wants to lose his leg, that's his business from a standpoint of the doctor saying that. For whatever reason, they were not convinced that he was able to play football. And I don't necessarily think it was because of some huge quarterback controversy or anything else. I don't think Rivera disliked Alex. I don't think so either. I don't think that he thought, well, I've got Kyle Allen. Screw you. Go sit at home. I don't think it was that either. I genuinely believe that. 
that these guys were worried about his well-being. And that's okay. They saw a dude on the field, his legs snap in half and the bone come out of the skin. Mm -hmm. Okay? They saw this on TV just like everybody else. They've seen the trials and tribulations that Alex Smith has been through just like everybody else. They've seen this leg, this mangled piece of meat, just like everybody else. They've seen that he can't walk without a limp, just like everybody else. So yeah, there might be some trepidation on whether Alex Smith should be in a freaking full-contact gladiator sport on Sundays. They've admitted that already, that they were concerned about him. Have it on their conscience or whatever, reason being, looking at his family with his three boys and his wife and saying they're letting this guy back on the field. And I think anybody would have trepidation over that, any NFL team. Now, I just think that they went a little over the top with what their expectations were for him. Their doctors, again, world-renowned doctors. I mean, he went to that hospital for military vets and, you know, strapnel and all that shit, like had to get a special uh, congressional pass or something to be able to get into that hospital. I mean, these are the top people in the world. And not to mention the doctor employed by Washington said that he was fine. He was cleared. They don't have coaches. I mean, the coaches don't have a medical degree, what the hell do they know? They have the ability to see whether a person can play the game of football or not, though. That's fair. But if they allowed him back on the field, why was he not being treated like everybody else? Why would they make him run 4,000 yards a day and carry extra weight and Matt, push there's sled? doctors and experts that say it's everybody okay for everybody to start taking off masks and doing this and doing that and doing other things. That doesn't mean you have to agree with it. They had him pushing sleds because they wanted to see it. Can you freaking move? Right. Okay. He was starting as a rookie, basically, in his life again on a football field. And they wanted to see what type of stress level Alex Smith could take. I don't have an issue with any of it. Personally, he got more games than he should have. I don't know what he's bitching about. Yes. Did he get out there based on they had no bodies left? Whatever. It's just weird, though, because it seemed like Rivera was pushing for him to start since the beginning. You know, obviously, Haskins was out there and they were giving him a shot, but it always just seemed like in the back of his mind, that's who he wanted to start. It was like, oh, well, Alex is here. Don't forget about him. in the background. Yeah, we talked about that. Him little, his shadow and him coming out of his hole and walking on the sidelines. It always seemed like it. We talked about this before the season started. This was going to happen at some point if Alex was able to do it. So don't come down now on Rivera. Rivera could have put you out to pasture and put you on a freaking ice float a long time ago, my friend. You couldn't chew the leather anymore, and everybody could see that. Did you come back to a certain extent and prove a lot of people wrong? Yes. But you can't tell me that there's a single coach in this league that would have just blindly jumped in and said, yeah, man, here's the ball. Take it. I don't see that. And for him too, I've got issues with Rivera, issues with the organization beyond this one. And for you to all of a sudden come out with these stories, and and this isn't the first time he's critiqued Rivera and the organization for the way they treated the matter. And from his standpoint and from everybody else's, it looks like it was squashed or taken out of context or whatever it was. And now he's coming up with a full fucking dossier (laughs) on what the hell went down from his 
his perspective that people were looking at him weird and, you know, weren't giving him the time of day. Dude, we got an organization to run here. Believe me, if I drop dead tomorrow, my company where I work is going to continue on. The world doesn't stop for Alex Smith. And now he's given in Hawaii at his fucking house in Hawaii. He's given this spout off about how things were and how he felt. You played in virtually half a season. You did your business. You got comeback player of the year. Go out with a little bit of class. You don't have to burn the house down on your way out. Okay. He knew he wasn't going to be with Washington next season. No shit. The only reason why they kept you last year was because you had so much damn money on the books. Feel lucky about that. Go build an addition on your Hawaii house and shut the hell up. How about that? All right. Well, I think that's a good way to end it there with uh, Alex. I can promise everybody this. Okay. I don't care if Alex Smith drops fucking dead. Okay. Jesus. I will not be talking about Alex Smith on this show again. All right. What if they, they, they sign him back on the roster? What is never again mean to you? What if he uh, does a mass shooting? Would you talk about <laughs> Oh, maybe. All right. Maybe. That we, one, we, uh, on the fence we, on that one. All right. That's fair. Sick of competing against thousands of professional bettors with algorithms? What about spending all day analyzing salary caps and lineups using other daily fantasy sites? Then you should try Monkey Knife Fight. Amazing name, by the way. I've used most, if not all, the other sites, and trust me, I just stop because I don't have time to put all that work in. MKF is easy to play. MKF offers all of the major sports plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR. You can pretty much bet on anything your little heart desires. MKF offers fun contests that are super easy to play. For example, there's a game called More or Less. Simply pick more or less on different player props. Think Patrick Mahomes. Will he go over his 288.5 yard number? Select more. Think Lamar Jackson. Will he stay under his 212.5 yard number? Select less. Get both right and win. Simple, right? We're getting old. The less we have to think about, the better. I've been using this site personally for the last few months, and it's so user-friendly. And honestly, it's made me actually care about what happened in, for example, the Rockets Magic game the other night. Quite possibly the least interesting game in the NBA this year. So go to monkeyknifefight.com and use our promo code BELTWAY, and you get a free $5 game just for signing up. No strings attached, I promise. This offer is not going to last long, so tap the link in the episode description and sign up. Again, using our promo code BELTWAY. So easy, even a drunk monkey could do it. Empire. All right. Well, staying with the NFL, the league announced on 420 of all days that, <laughs> <laughs> that they, will, they will no longer test for Delta 9 THC carbolic acid, which is the chemical that's commonly found in cannabis. This is going to be during the off season spanning from April 20th, of course, 420 until August 9th. And the NFL will be moving away from serious disciplines during the season as well. Uh, With the new CBA, players can still test positive for THC as long as they don't exceed the threshold of 150 nanograms. That's a new one for me. Originally, it was 35 nanograms. I mean, you think these guys know what the hell they're talking about? How many nanograms they're putting? (laughs) When they're pulling on a bong. You think they know how many nanograms there are? How many nanograms are we working with there? Uh, I mean, (laughs) what? (laughs) They go to their weed dealer. Hey, shoot me straight. Nanograms? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they are still going to issue fines, but it's going to go to a 
a medical oh my uh, gathering to see if how many nanograms are acceptable. But nobody's going to be suspended anymore. So I think this is a this is a good thing. It's a long time coming. I mean, the new uh, medical research on THC has proven that it helps with injuries. You know, hopefully it can avoid painkiller addictions, which is rampant in the NFL, especially after they're out of the league. And thinking about how crazy it is, the amount of guys that have lost entire seasons based off of fucking weed. Who gives a shit? Seriously. Trent Williams, say. Don't like the dude, but he's been an advocate for this going for a long time, man. Yeah, we got screwed. Screwed. Remember we suspended those three games yeah. at the home stretch there going for the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a lot of teams did. A lot of teams Josh did. Gordon, yeah. his career is over. I mean, He's, well, he had a few other things too, but yeah. But it's it started with weed. Yeah. The gateway drug, Noel. <laughs> the gateway drug. Well, th- you're right, Matt. This is a lo- absolutely a long time coming. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they did it on 420. It's hilarious. It, I, I think it's absolutely insane. But, you know, as long as they don't make it overly complicated and they say, hey, look, guys. You got this window of time where you can smoke the shit out of it if you need to. If it takes away some of the muscle aches, some of the um, stress you're going through, whatever the case may be, mazel tov. You know, but when you come back, it's time to work. My question is this, though. Hmm. Some states, it's still illegal. So if you are in a situation, right, where you get this, not a suspension, but a fine, and you're from a state that doesn't have it medicinally or recreationally. How does that work? Well, most states have decriminalized it at least. No, no, I understand that. But doesn't that look a little bad when a guy gets caught smoking weed? Not like it hasn't happened before, but they're trying to somewhat open the door for it. But now if you're from a state that doesn't have it, where it's considered illegal, that you're still in your system and the league is allowing it to go forward. I guess let the state decide. I don't know. Yeah. Talked, I'm in staffing, right? And we we placed all these people in Oregon where it's legal for recreational use. Right. But because the client was a national client, they went by the federal law. So it didn't matter if it was recreational or not. If they tested positive, which plenty did with these particular positions, they were out. Right. So, you know, you would talk to them like, hey, uh... Have you done anything like that? You know, have that conversation like, well, yeah, I've, you know, it's legal here. I'm in Oregon. What the hell, man? I mean, shit. That's why I live here. (laughs) (laughs) But not so fast. And that was my point, kind of. Is there, I hope there's no weird loopholes in state laws and things like that that are going to mess things up for the progress that the NFL is making. I think the majority of, the teams are in major markets, which typically are more on the liberal side. I can't even think of a team that isn't in a legal state or at I, least decriminalized. I guarantee I can't think of a team that doesn't have a few guys on there that smoke weed, too. <laughs> oh, well, they all do. I yeah. mean, not all of them. The quarterbacks don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're squeaky clean. You know, they're there from sun up to sun down while everybody oh. else is party. Hey, man, come on out. Sorry, man. I've got, I've got, we've got Dallas on Sunday. Well, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. He's doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Weed might be involved. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of things involved. God, that guy's, hey, good thing we didn't bet the farm on that one, huh? Oh, talk about dodging a fucking bullet. My God. Because people would still be clamoring for the dude. And I wonder how long the Texans tried to hold on to that information. Here's a question. Would you trade before, you know, it was like 17 first round picks and like your entire defense or whatever they wanted. But 
Would you trade a first round pick, the 19th overall pick for Deshaun Watson, knowing that he has like 50 charges against him? Just taking a flyer and just hoping the stuff goes away? What would you do with that? There's a lot there. There is. If it were one or two, you know, maybe I'd, you know, roll the dice with it and say, all right, he'll get out of this one. Reuben Foster it a little yeah. bit and hope that it goes, but... There's a lot to unpack there. This is this is going to be like a, a long serial process. Massage allegedly, parlor. Matt. Allegedly, allegedly, it's like allegedly fifty women. He needs to stay home and smoke <laughs> some more weed. He won't have the motivation to be going out and doing all this shit. That's for sure. See, there you go. It's all come full circle, Noel. Yeah, it has. See what I did there? Eat some Cheez Its and, and enjoy yourself. Weed will cure what ails you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, bullets forever contributor. Believe in Wizards podcast hosts, Matt Moderno. We will be talking some whiz. Stay tuned for that. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. Empire. All right, let's welcome in the third bro, of course, as we tend to call him, from the Believe in Wizards podcast, which is released every Monday. That is right, right, Monday? Uh, whenever we can get it out, man. Uh, we'll take okay. what we can get at this point. We try for Mondays. <laughs> hey, we're right there with you. And uh, Bullets Forever contributor Matt Moderno. How's it going, buddy? How are you? Good, good, good to be here as always. Like you said, we uh, we have finally some good news for a change. I'll take it. Finally, every conversation we've ever had has been negative about the Wizards. <laughs> no, every single one. I really one. think since <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon just yet, boys. Oh uh, well, of course not. But <laughs> I, I will say there was some hope at least at the beginning of the season or before the season started. Like a two week window. Yeah, maybe ish. But it's probably short-lived, this whole thing, as everything with the Wizards is, except for the, the losing. You know, that tends to be. But, you know, it's good to say some positive stuff about the Wiz for a change. Should we knock the bad news out of the way with Denny? And that way we can start with something bad and keep our track record Yeah, together? yeah, I think that's a good idea. Denny, um, that looked bad. It's actually better news than we thought. What is it, hairline fracture? Speaking of Alex Smith that we were talking about, gee, I was a little worried about that. When uh, Jordan Bell covered that his leg. That was a little yeah. overkill. Don't look at it, Danny. Yeah, don't. don't I, thought, I mean, I thought that the towel was holding the leg <laughs> exactly. on, the way he was reacting to it. Tied it up. And then they send him off in a wheelchair. I'm like, I'm looking for some Their bone on the court. exposure. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, there. Yeah, there was nothing there. Actually, a hairline fracture it was probably the yeah. best thing could have happened to him, other than just like a regular sprained ankle, how bad it looked. He's going to be out for the rest of the year, right? But he'll be fine. This isn't going to be, this isn't like an Achilles tear or tearing your ACL or something. This is not. Do you remember even when close. Kevin Ware for Louisville broke his leg in half at the shin and the bone poked yes. out? Oh like God. that, that, that's what I was expecting the way they reacted yeah. and the way he reacted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is a tough kid. He's done like military service and shit and he's like crying on the court and the leg kind of like buckled back. I'm like, oh shit, Achilles, yeah. like something bad. And, yeah, I mean, uh, given the range of things it could have been, uh, missing the rest of this year, presumably back for the start of next season, uh, it could have been a lot worse. I thought Daniel Gafford's injury looked yeah. worse than his. Sure. You knew exactly mm-hmm. what it was with the spring. We're like, oh, God, of course. I thought, toast, we'll never see him in a, in a Wizards uniform ever again. I'm going to play positive uh, on the Denny thing. Oh, okay. Okay, this is where my positivity comes in. If for him, since the injury is not a bad one, I think this is a good thing for him. 
that this moment in time, this team, he has become what I feared. He's a poor man's Otto Porter. He has no role except for times where when he touches the ball, I really think he has some serious attributes. I'm a huge fan of Denny, but they are not playing him correctly. Nine times out of ten, he looks like a fish out of water, except for that glam play that he makes or a quick dish off to Lynn. For me, I think him taking a step back in this cluster of a season that they've had, no summer league, nothing. He's been thrown to the wolves. Um, He's watching two stars basically take 75% of the volume, and he stands in the corner with his thumb up his butt, bricking threes. His tuchus? (laughs) Well, I mean, he is from Israel after all, right? Um, I think that him taking a step back, maybe reassessing things, dealing with the leg injury, coming back fresh in the summer league next year if they have one, I think it's a good thing, personally. I don't think he was bringing a whole lot to the table, is my point. I think the problem isn't that you're losing his production. It's that he was playing that many minutes and starting for a reason because there's literally no one behind him. It might be the most important position to have depth at in the league, and they have the worst small forward core in the entire league, and now they're down a body. Like, I think that's the biggest thing, but but I'm with you. Like, you learn a lot from being on the bench. I don't know how long it'll be back before he's watching, but I think Rui talked a lot about last year just being able to, like, when he was hurt, he got to watch and learn and see some stuff play out. That helped him. I think you're right. They totally misuse him for the most part. You know, he, he overfouls and things like that because of the difference in style of play and officiating from league to league. So maybe seeing that helps. Maybe seeing that you can't go up for... Well, speed as well. He yeah. probably doesn't see that in the Euro League. So Yeah, how often does he get his, his shot pinned against the glass? I mean, it's at least once a game, right. right? Like So learning that would be good. So I think, like you said, as long as it doesn't have lasting effects, it, it could have been worse. Well, it's not just on the offensive side where they misuse him. I think they misuse him on the defensive side. They treat him like a Rui. They treat him like a versatile big or a small, and they put him on guys that he doesn't fit the mold against a lot of times. A lot of times the guy's too big, or he's a guy that can handle the rock, bring a baseline. How many times does he bump a guy with his chest off the baseline? Because the guy can blow by him because he's 6'5 with speed. In both sides of the basketball court, they are really putting this guy to the wolves, and, and I think it's time to slow things down for him, and like you said, have him watch from afar a little bit and maybe rethink things. And now he has to think about his leg, which maybe getting his mind off basketball for a few minutes might be a good thing for him. But who does he match up with then? Sorry, I just want to play devil's advocate for a second. If if he's either on guys that are too big or guys that are too quick, there really aren't guys his size and athleticism level on many teams. Well, the way basketball is now, yes, he's that 3-4 tweener guy, yeah, I think. not in a good way, in my opinion. And not in a good way, right. I mean, he does have to put some meat on his bones, um, and I think that he will improve defensively and be able to be that versatile guy. But I think when you start a guy who's so young, who hasn't had the preseason, you stick to one game plan and go with it, have him become improved in one spot, fight in that spot, and then start adding things to his plate, not... This game, you're going to take this guy, you're going to take a big this game, then you're going to take a small this game. The guy's head is on a swivel. He doesn't even know what planet he's on. Well, you have to have a coach that has a plan for these things. That's a whole other animal, yes, obviously. Matt, I was going to ask you, what are they going to do at that position now? I mean, there's very little depth. I mean, what do you just move... Davis over there, I guess, to start, like they were doing at the end of the game against Golden State? To be honest with you, that would be my core group is is have Rui and Bertans out there when they're both healthy and go that route. 
he seems committed to this three small guard thing, which to like continue to enrage the entire fan base over and over again. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to add somebody. And if you guys want to be really depressed, I have a list of just some guys that are sort of out there and available. Oh, you came prepared. Look at you. Yeah, the, the, Look the, depressed. <laughs> shameless plug. This will be up on bullets forever somewhere tomorrow. But you oh. you get the, the sneak peek. Sweet. CJ Miles. Cut from the Wizards last year. Oh, right. No right. way. No way. Alan Crabb, cut from the Minnesota Timberwolves last year. Mm-hmm. Mario Hazonia, cut from the Memphis Grizzlies last year. He's a Euro, right? It's a, fits the Tommy Shepard yeah. mold. <laughs> hey, a Euro, so let's do it. Uh, Andre Roberson, cut from the Brooklyn Nets this year after seven games. Gerald Green, cut two years ago from the Houston Rockets. Kyle Korver, not picked up this year. Thabo Cephalosha, not picked up this year. Damari Carroll, not picked up this year. Michael Kidd Gilchrist, not picked up this year. Glenn Robinson, cut That by was the my Kings. guy on the offseason, by the way, that I thought would be a perfect fit. Huh. You might get your chance. Um, I might. And then, like, Caleb Holmesley out of Liberty that they had uh, on the training camp roster. There's slim pickings out there available right now. Yeah, I mean, I think Roberson, you could kind of plug and play a little bit there, or Kid Gilchrist is at least defensively somewhat He's a very good defender. But, I mean, you're not going to get much out of an offense, but who gives a shit? Right, exactly. I think at this point, you pick up, you get a body that can just fill in, obviously, on the second unit. Someone and breathing. just hope maybe you can you can strike lightning in a bottle and maybe you can get you, I don't know, six and three or something like that and, and, and be done with it. I mean, you're not having delusions of grandeur and scratch and claw. And I was totally against that three-guard lineup, but the way that, how thin this forward spot has gotten... I don't blame Brooks at this point in time for utilizing it a little bit more. I don't know if that was positive or negative. It was kind of somewhere in the middle. So let's, yeah, yeah, (laughs) but let's move on to what we're here for a little celebration of the fact that the Wizards have won six straight games and eight of nine games and have actually moved in to the 10th spot, very close to the ninth, which is, in case you don't know, have the play in round, just a little play in tournament in order to get to the eighth seed, which is competing with the seventh and eighth seeds at the bottom. So, you know, Wiz beat some actually really good teams over this stretch. I mean, that Golden State game was looked like it was a total loss. And then then Beal and Westbrook took over the five, last five minutes, Noel. Clutch time. They did it. And Westbrook kind of shoved it down their throat. He couldn't even, like, hold on to the ball the entire game. And then all of a sudden, he can magically dribble and drive to the basket. I don't know how he does it, but he's maddening and extraordinary all at the same time. You remember in Space Jam where they're really struggling and Jordan gives them his secret stuff? I feel like that's yes. what they roll out for Westbrook sometime with like six minutes to go in the game right before that last media timeout. He goes from like sloppy, turning the ball over, airballing free throws, you know, like, you know, like losing the ball on a dunk. And then all of a sudden he's hitting pull up threes to win the game. And you're like, oh, OK, why can he do that? <laughs> all make any sense. Mike's secret stuff, yep. I think he called it. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, maybe that's the answer. Well, he was technically in Space Jam, if you remember. As Muggsy Bogues. You know, <laughs> that's not right. We got to do a side by side on that. Yeah. I mean, it's uncanny. That should be the, that should be the art for this episode of the show. Yeah, I think yeah, it might be. I it think might, it might be. Good, good idea. See, you are the third. There bro. you go. You're already on it, boys. I think with the Westbrook dynamic, it's one of those things where he does everything possible for the Wizards to lose the game and everything possible for them to win at times. He grabbed 20 freaking rebounds in the game. Let me jump in real quick. I actually tweeted out, somebody said, and it was on Facebook, actually, I think on your site, the uh, Wizards Nation. 
who said that they, he has to um, actually play defense or play out on the three-point line against Curry. And I was thinking, all right, well, he's actually going to have to stay there and not get rebounds because he's going to actually have to like play out to the friggin' logo against this guy. Obviously, Curry missed, I everything. think, all of it, <laughs> everything in that game. But he got 20 rebounds. That's unbelievable in that circumstance, how far away he was against, okay. you know, away from the rim. Can we, I was just can really be, surprised. I thought it'd be like two or three rebounds. I already said, first off, I was the one that said that to you. And I talked about the Donovan Mitchell aspect of things. And these guys are bombing threes and he's standing ass to ass with freaking Robin Lopez down low when these guys are wide open from three point range and shooting from the logo. That's why he's grabbing 20 boards. Look at him off the free throw lines, for God's sake. What the fuck are you doing down there? He's sitting here boxing out Alex Lynn to get a board off a free throw. Okay, yeah, give it. He grabs the ball. He pushes it forward. Lynn can grab it and give it to you out on the wing, and you can push it just as fast, my friend. Nobody needs you to be down there ripping boards down every moment of the day. You've got guys out there that can jack threes from all over the place, And he's standing in the paint, and I've seen him leave his player. I've gone back in film and seen him specifically leave his player, whether it be off a pick and roll or whether it be just the guy standing there on the weak side, and he'll just flutter away and go back into the paint and grab the rebound. And if a guy makes one swing pass or one good pass off a pick and roll, that guy's wide open. Why? Because Westbrook thinks it's more important to grab boards than defend his man. Now, in the last five minutes... He changes his tune. He starts pressing the guards. He starts making things happen as a guard should. And that's the issue that I have. It's fool's gold with this 20 rebound shit. Yeah, but triple doubles, bro. (laughs) Damn you. Triple dubs. I mean, am I wrong? The post game last night was infuriating because he was not good for most of that game despite the stat line. The shooting was awful. The turnovers were awful. Ten of the rebounds really didn't mean much. All the other ten were still good. But they talked about how he just like he carried them on his back the entire game. And I was like, what did I watch that's so different than what <laughs> right. Smith watched? It wasn't what Westbrook said, right? It was what Jason. Yeah, Smith no, said. and the postgame guys were just like, oh, my yeah. God, I, we would have been blown out by 40 without Westbrook tonight. I'm like, Meh. or probably would have been 17. Right? No, and that's right. fine and all. He does play a contributing factor in them winning the games. I, I'm not denying that. He's a big reason why they are in the spot that they're in at the 10th spot. For both reasons. For both reasons. But I just feel like some everybody gets so enamored with these numbers and the tickers on the bottom with these triple and double aspects. Nobody's digging in a little bit and saying, hey, look, look at their record. Was This is what we intended. We know he can get triple doubles, but is he playing defense? Why is the guard that he is playing against scoring 30? Nobody asks these hard questions. And I'm just wondering, am I seeing, is my hatred run that deep that my eyes are skewed at this point? Well, Curry scored 17, so that's a positive. He scored 49 the day before. I think they caught him at a good day. It was jet lag. It was jet lag, but I don't disagree with you, Noel. At the same time, there's a reason that he's the only guard that's ever done anything remotely like this in the history of the NBA. I think that he is overrated in some areas, but you can't disagree with the fact that he does come up in clutch situations. Every player with high usage is going to you know, have issues throughout the game because they're playing pretty much the entire game. You know, you bring in Ish Smith and he's like, oh, he's got a positive plus minus. Well, that's great. He played like 12 minutes or whatever it is. You know, when you're playing the entire game, there's more chances to make mistakes. He couldn't do the same thing as as, uh, Westbrook is. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can I ask you both a question? And I'd like you both to answer this. Do you think if you played in an NBA basketball game as a guard and 
you have six assists right off the bat when you have competent players around you and six of your assists are just dump offs to Robin Lopez on hooks or whether it be Len these guys don't touch the ball when Westbrook isn't in the game and the majority of his assists are to these guys and I've asked you this question before Matthew what is and I've said it multiple times what is the end game here Robin Lopez is not your long-term solution now moving forward why isn't he distributing the ball to other guys because that's where his numbers lie That's where the easy out is. And that's what I'm seeing. When you're getting seven assists to Lopez and Len, that's not avenue for success long term to me. I don't agree with that because it's being successful. When a guy's shooting... I said long term. We talked about this too. Len and Lopez aren't going to be here next year. So we're talking about Daniel Gafford and... Thomas Bryant, three-point spot-ups and lobs, lobs being thrown to Gafford. That's your bread and butter next year. As a point guard... What they've gotten together, him and Gafford already, Westbrook and Gafford, is pretty incredible. He's played, what, eight games, nine games, and they seem to have a a pretty good rapport already. And it's not just the job of a point guard just to kick it out at three-point range. It's also getting guys open, going towards the basket and kicking it up to guys like Gafford that can slam it home. If it's working every single time that he's shooting 90% from that little shitty hook shot that he does, you just keep going to the well till it doesn't work. Kind of off the subject, Brooks almost lost that game because he kept Lopez in. Agreed. I didn't look at his plus minus, but it must have been minus 80. Regardless of that, I just think as a point guard, you do what works until it doesn't. I don't know what you think, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I think you're both right just to play sort of Switzerland on this one. Like, they just don't have like a lot of better options, unfortunately. And I think some of it's ingrained because you look at those OKC teams and he never really had shooters around him. It was a lot of slashers or Steven Adams, you know, guys that were going to take it around the basket. So I think there is some amount of familiarity with like dumping it down to a big guy. So if you can make Lopez and Len look good, then hopefully you can make Gafford and Bryant look really good. And if he had real shooters around him, does he look better? You know, like he started to get a little more of a connection with Bertans going like, if Rui becomes more of a consistently competent three-point shooter, if Brad gets his three-point game back, like can he play with Neto enough in hopefully a five-point guard lineup eventually to <laughs> be able to make Neto look good? Uh, I don't know. It's just I think some of that's him. I think some of it's personnel. I think some of it's lack of an offensive scheme. You know, it's just not all on him, but you want more from a $40 million guy, I think, too. And one thing I wanted to say, I know you want to say something, Noel, but you didn't say anything when it came to Wall tossing it up to Gortat over and over again on those pick and rolls. I mean, that was applauded by us. Great job. But what's the difference? I don't have an issue with it at all. I love the Gafford lobs. I think they're great. I just think that it inflates his stats. And he doesn't do what Wall did as far as driving and dishing out to three. You have one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league on your team. And I told you the other day, I counted throughout the game how many times Bertans actually touched a ball in a game, and it was a total of seven times. I don't have an issue. I like the old school pick and roll, lob balls, giving it down low to a big man. I'm not this new guy that jack up threes all over the place, but damn, man. When you're zoned in and you have blinders on like a horse and you're saying, all right, Lopez is in, time to dump it off. It's either going to be Beal or Lopez shooting for the next six minutes. And Bertans is standing in a corner like this, waving his hands. And that happened yesterday, too. Or Garrison Matthews or whomever it is. And Rui, where I even forget that he's in games and Lopez is your main option. 
I have a problem with that. But no, I don't have an issue with him incorporating Lopez, Len, and Gafford into the offense. I have a problem with him using that as his focal point. That's the difference. Well, he's not as good of a passer as Wall is. I mean, well, that's, you made that's, the argument. I mean, I'm just dominating. Your whole you argument on. was that you were saying that all he's doing is passing it down to Lopez. That's what he is. He is. Okay. <laughs> well, he had a great pass to Bertans for three that they took the lead on at the end of the game against the Warriors. They do need more of that. Yeah. Again, last five minutes of the game. So apparently he learns how to pass during that time, too, which is a thing of beauty. Right. Well, Matt, where do you think this team, let's say we make the 10 spot. We're right there. Honestly, if they continue this streak and a couple of teams before them slip a little bit, they could go a little bit higher the way things are. But where do you think this team, is this just adding an extra game basically is what we're looking at? I think the most possible Wizards outcome is they finish ninth and they lose to the 10 seed in that first sort of part of the play in round. So they get the worst possible draft pick out of it and don't actually (laughs) advance into the playoffs. Sounds and get right. the least amount of playoff-ish experience because they wouldn't even get sort of that second play-in game. That just seems like what we're destined for at this point. <laughs> I believe it. This has saved Brooks' job. No, 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 no. If they make the 10 or the 9 seed, it saved his job, right? He's got his boy on his team. It's one of the big reasons why Westbrook is here, I would say. I, I read an article today that he feels justified and after all the trade buzz that he stuck through it and his stick to of staying with this Wizards team. I don't see it happening where Brooks is gone next year if this team finishes the way that they are. And even if they get ousted as the nine seed, like you said, by the 10 seed, hey, this is new blood on this team. We've got Gafford now. We've got Denny. We've, we're putting things together. We're shaking and moving. Bryant's going to be back. I just don't see them canning him. This is a city where, and you guys live this better, you know, more than I do, where the Washington football team, we must call them by the wrong name, uh, could be four and 10 on the season, but win the last two games of the year to go six and 10. And everyone's like, well, they finished on a hot streak. I could see us going 10 and six next year. Like I could very easily see this team finishing reasonably hot and everyone convincing themselves like, well, you know, if we run it back next year with Gafford the whole time, and we have Bryant the whole time, and maybe we add a veteran small forward. We could slowly talk, our, you know, slowly talk ourselves well, into one away, one away. Yeah, exactly. You know, that carrot that's out yep. there, that is always out there. Just one off season. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. One good pick <laughs> is all we need. And I'm, I'm very fearful of that. That that's what's going to keep Brooks around. Why shake things up now when we're just there's a light at the end of the tunnel here? Don't you guys see it? Look how we played at the end of the year. Well, speaking of Brooks, though, I wanted to ask you, Matt. Has he done anything differently during this stretch, in your opinion, talking to Larry, anything like that, that he's changed up because, I mean, he maybe put a play together once or twice? I don't know. I actually asked this question uh, to Larry the other day about what has he seen that's been noticeably different. And I think one of the things Gafford's brought, and and he's kind of mentioned this in comments and they've shown it a few times, is his sort of locked into like communication defensively and things like that. Like they're not always in the exact right places, but there seems to be like a little more emphasis on trying to hustle defensively. Like even Westbrook, I yeah. think has slowly ramped that up it, again to, to most point, at least in key situations. And I don't think they right. did that early. 
So I don't know that there's anything been like meaningfully different. They still weirdly switch like one through five on things that don't remotely make sense where you end up with like Neto or Ish Smith guarding Zion for large stretches of the fourth quarter. So Or you pull Gafford out with 55 seconds left. Yeah, to put Rolo in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, what the f- this guy is the reason that you're winning this game in reality, regardless of what Westbrook and what regardless of what Beal did, you could see his impact on the game. And then you go and take him out with 55 seconds left. And of course, disaster strikes, you know, because uh, Curry goes and back to back layups right away because there's nobody in the middle that can stop him. And he was doing an amazing job. The guy just is unreal. And then, yeah, like you said, Lopez, how long are you going to keep this guy in when it's so painfully obvious that you are losing your lead because of this guy. Yeah, they had a triple team in the last uh, Warriors game. That's what coaching is, though. They realized that they had a triple team Lopez, and they weren't going to let him do that shit again. So you you have to pivot yourself. But sure enough, he's coaching by feel, baby. Uh, they had God. they had the one of the Wizards podcasts. They talked to Ish Smith this week, and he just kept being like, "Oh, you got to love playing for Coach Brooks because he coaches by feel." So you know, if you're the hot hand out there, you know you're going to stay in. I don't actually think that's a good thing. Like uh, some of these role players, like when you give them too many minutes, the wheels start to fall off because Ish went two for five, you know, and had two assists. It's like, well, we're going to leave him in for five more minutes longer next to Westbrook, Beal, and Bertans. It's like, is that really a great idea? Yeah, I I mean, when you have role players like that, and I've I've said it before, eventually they will rear their ugly head. Mm -hmm. Everybody has streaks of time where they play well, and utilize that as a spark for your starters to get back involved in the game, not as a catalyst to win the game. And he's this either or with, we've talked about how he treated Wagner before, where you said, since he was a role player in his career, he does he feels it's like an insult to put him in for a couple minutes and then take them out. That's a dumb philosophy. These guys are role players. They want to come in. They're hungry. They come in, they get a spark, they get a couple rebounds, a charge, and then you take them out. And they've done their purpose. What about Troy Brown? We didn't actually know. We haven't even talked about this. When Troy Brown got traded, he had that interview. Did you see this, Matt? He he torched him on the way out. He torched him on the way out. And he said that he he asked him what he can do better or whatever. And he's like, just what was his response? He slammed the door in his face. Uh, That was for for Otto Porter. He told Otto Porter. I'm sorry. Yes. uh, Same, same shit. He told Porter to do your fucking job. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. But what is my job, coach? No one has told me because we didn't have a players only meeting halfway through the year to figure out what roles and responsibilities were like it's nuts and that's another thing he's such a wimp he's not willing to give the hard questions or give the hard coaching to the players that he feels that matters but it's okay for him to squash these little guys absolutely yeah and that's another thing he's just all around not a good coach and i think that unfortunately for us this has saved him he's jay grudening us and saving himself for one more year. I think Westbrook has gotten off his schneid because he's trying to save his friend. And that's another thing. I think he takes it personally because he sees that this team was on the downturn. And I think you're right. I think he stepped up his game even further than it already had been because everybody knows that Brooks is on the hot seat. They they can't get rid of Westbrook. Brooks is going to be the one that went. He's fighting for his coach, and that's admirable. I'm not saying that, but it's uh, for the wrong guy. I hadn't heard you guys talk about this one, but just last thing. How does Jerome Robinson go from not playing to starting to cut in like a matter of eight days? (laughs) I know. It was the brain tonic is what it was. Jesus. (laughs) 
<laughs> the only thing I can think of with the Wagner thing and with him is they didn't play Wagner because he was anticipating trading him. And with the Robinson thing, I think he was trying to maybe strike lightning in a bottle and maybe he'd bomb a couple of threes and say, see, guys, I told you I had something here. I inspired Just to get him. some form of trade value. Yeah. He's like a shitty boss. They do nothing for you, but when you succeed on your own, you're welcome. Then he wants to take credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm happy. Absolutely, to, happy to help. I love them. Yeah, never had one of those before. <laughs> Just <laughs> nah, right now, though, never had those. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you for coming on on short notice. By the way, I texted you like two hours ago, and you had a crazy day. I'm not even going to ask you what happened. Nothing exciting. <laughs> Speaking of bosses, did, yeah, did uh, exactly. Yeah, shitty boss. Musk. <laughs> Elon was all over me today. <laughs> Elon. <laughs> Good luck with all that. And uh, you can follow Matt at Matt Moderno on Twitter and also at Believe in Wizards. Catch his podcast every Monday-ish with Larry. And of course, his uh, article's coming out with Bullets Forever here, what, next day or two? Sometime tomorrow, I hope. All right. Well, good luck with all that. We'll see you next time. And um, that's all I got. See you, boys. Later, buddy. Take it easy, Matt. Thanks, man. Hello. It's Tyler Roman, former NFL scout and host of the Roman on the League podcast. Every week, I update my mock draft that not only looks at the best players available, but the needs for all first-round teams. The draft board keeps changing with all the movement this year, so tune into my show, Roman Around the League. That's R-O-M-A-N Around the League podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and check out all of the great shows from Empire Media. Empire. Thanks again to Matt for coming on. Always appreciate it. Always welcome back. I'm sure he will be back. I mean, you know, you think so? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have him on again. I think you angered Matt a little bit. I don't know. Good. You know, I got to get some <laughs> spice in his life. <laughs> All right, Noel. It's that time again. Time for another Top 5 Friday. As promised, we deliver. Always. Unless we're uh, on spring break, and then you won't hear from us for a while. Yeah. Or on the weed. <laughs> on the weed, yes. That'll slow anybody down. But uh, <laughs> on today's installment, we are going back to our roots a little bit. You know, we're going to talk about something really stupid. And um, those are always the most fun, I feel like, with the top fives. I totally agree. Just go, just dumbing it down. I mean, it's not very difficult for us to do that, but <laughs> we're going real down. We go we go out of our way to make yeah. us, ourselves sound as stupid as possible. We're down in the sludge somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and after last week, it got a little heated. So I thought we could do something a little more fun and, yeah, and less you know, relaxing. Yeah. So, um we're going to go through our list of top five weirdest sports. So these are all around the world. They're really unknown by most. Not just weird. Some of them are dumb as shit. Oh, yeah they're, yeah. they're dumb. These are actual sports and most of them with commissions. They have world championships, all that kind of shit. You know, think of like the Cornhole National Championships. When Cornhole came out, when did you ever think that at some point in time that that would become a freaking national sport. And here we are. And now some are following suit or have been around for a long time and you didn't even know it. We're sorry that we're making you know it. (laughs) (laughs) So these are legit sports that apparently people take quite seriously. Yeah, man. Most of them, or at least in my list, come from Britain for whatever reason. They they just keep coming up with dumb shit. And I don't know. You think that they're very classy high-end folks with that british oh, accent that oh, they please. have please <laughs> don't let that accent fool you my friend <laughs> yeah well let's um let's get this thing started what's your number five Noel? well this one isn't the dumbest one i've ever heard of there's a lot crazier ones and weird ones out there but bubble soccer 
Okay. Mm-hmm. You know those bubbles that people put on and like roll down a hill and stuff, or you go to you those sumo, those big sumo suits that you put on and you bang into each other. Yeah. Or you see them on like America's Funniest Videos, and I don't know, they just make me laugh. I just think they're so dumb. It's hilarious to see someone. You just, are dumb in this town. I know. It just makes really, me laugh. <laughs> it does <laughs> when someone just boing and then just hits off. Well, they have a league called Bubble Soccer to the point mm-hmm. that they have a freaking World Cup. All right. It's 5v5. They've mm-hmm. got countries. They've got everything. And they're in these stupid big-ass bubbles with their little feet dangling out. All right. Okay. And they kick the ball around and just try to score goals. You know, so- standard soccer rules on a smaller field, like more close to like indoor. It is hilarious. Check it out. I mean, these people are bouncing all over. People will come in full speed, like to tackle, and boom. And the person will like fly 15 feet. It is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is so good. Is it a regular, like a regulation size soccer ball or in in, a goal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not using like a big blow up. No, 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 no. Not bubbles hitting bubbles. No, no. I got you. They got your standard soccer ball. They try to kick it the best they can with like. Their legs just dangling out. It looks like a cartoon. It, it's hilarious. Check it out. I will. All right. Good way to start things off. Noel, I'll start with my number five. Yep. Mine is shin kicking. This is a real thing. <laughs> so this, as I mentioned, originated in England in the early 17th century. So this is old school. It is a pretty simple process. You yeah. kick my shin. Okay. <laughs> I kick your shin. It's considered a combat sport. And it involves two contestants attempting to kick each other in the shin until one hits the ground. Simple. You know, you can't get much simpler than that. They actually have a shin-kicking world championship, and it's a part of the Cotswold Olympic Games. It's an annual event held over in Dover's Hill, which is north of a little English town called Chippen Camden. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is this, it's their like city sport, you know, where each place has a sport that they're renowned for. This is their thing. This is what they do to bring people in. Good for them. What's the the British people like this part of the country that like the redneck one that they make fun of their accent? I'm assuming it comes from that. You know, like the the Beckham accent. You know, like, you know. They, they- <laughs> I don't think they all sound nasally like that. But yeah, like the people that are. Well, I mean, most people make fun of like the Welsh and stuff because they have that garbled talk or the Scottish. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. It, it's got to be like the West Virginia of. Britain. Yeah, it's like making fun of like people with, from Alabama or something. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they're 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 slow and shit. Not our fans, but other no, no, people from no. Alabama and West Virginia. We've offended them. We've been kicked in the shins. Right, I've got dents all over my shins from soccer. It just stuff. happened to me yesterday. I mean, I actually or, walked into something or on my shin into a table. Oh, it's the worst. Well, you see these guys in kickboxing and shit. They just bash each other in the legs and in the shins and all that. That's why you wear shin guards. Yeah, a sport specifically based on. I am going to kick the shit out of you <laughs> until you drop. Right. That's it. That you got to be pretty miserable. damn hardcore, man. Because the shin is about as... You think Alex Smith could do it, Matt? Oh, uh, his good leg, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, What's your number four, Noel? My number four is cheese rolling. Speaking of Britain, mm-hmm. it's an annual event, huge annual event in, in Gloucester, England. Okay. And they take this big what you would call Gloucester cheese wheel mm-hmm. and this hill. And this ain't no like little hill. This thing is a beast. Okay. 
a beast hill. It's such a beast hill that this cheese wheel gets up to like 70 miles an hour by the time it goes down this damn thing. If nobody's seen this, you got to look at it. They have a little, it's so popular, they have a segment on Netflix about it. It's awesome. So this whole fucking town, they chase this stupid cheese wheel down the hill. And they're just flipping and flopping. Flipping and, and flopping, know. doing wheels themselves. I mean, people are <laughs> barrel rolling down this damn hill to catch this stupid cheese wheel. And one year, like 33 people got injured and had to go to the hospital. That's how hardcore this thing is. I'm sure somebody's died going down that hill. Oh, my gosh. Necks and shit. It was yeah. so bad. And I'm sure this hospital isn't, you know, NIH. It's probably kind of <laughs> small. They had so many people in the damn hospital that they had to wait and get those people healed. Have those other people go home, sit at home with their injuries and then they brought him in later on. It's insane. Well, that hospital apparently is uh, prepared for COVID now, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's what they told the COVID patients. So go home. We'll get to you when we can. <laughs> yeah, we have the cheese wheel competition. Yeah, cheese you know, we, we, we don't have time for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but man, I'm telling you, it's um, it's nuts. It's like a weekend event. A lot of these places and the things that we say here are smaller towns that are coming up with some gimmick, you know, or some bullshit that they say is traditional. But this thing's been around for centuries. This is what they do there. So I thought you were going to say like a bunch of people rolled down cheese and see who got to the bottom first. That or something. would be good. Or like to get to the finish, like who can roll the wheel to get to the finish line? Like we, we used to do that with quarters to see if right. you could land it or lean it onto a wall. I didn't think humans would be, no. would be rolling down the hill with you it. You chase that sucker down the hill like a dog to a tennis ball, man. <laughs> and people die trying. Well. Nuts. You know, I got to check that one you out. You do, I, man. I no it's idea. awesome. Netflix it up. Will do. All right. My number four is toe wrestling. If you don't know what toe wrestling is, because I didn't until today, toe wrestling involves competitors going toe-to-toe, I guess you could say. So this sport, it, it actually dates back to 1976, when again, the Brits, they were looking to gain a world sports title. So the rules are simple here. Take your socks and your shoes off. Two competitors interlock their toes and try to pin down their opponent's foot. Kind of like thumb wrestling, except with your disgusting feet. So... I was watching some videos on this. These people take this shit seriously. They got, they, I mean, there's a lot like, of people oh, around. Like, get them so psyched up. Like, do they, do they, yeah. they have a guy behind them, like the trainer, and they bat feet together, like, <laughs> they have some nimble feet, these people. Like, the toes, I, I don't know how they to. do it. Yeah, like, if you think about a thumb war, I guess, right? Kind of the same principle, but I don't know how you can move your toe individually to put another toe so, down. So before that, though, you were saying that Britain was trying to get an, a, a world championship, so they invented this sport. Yes. That's fucking... But before you even get to how <laughs> sad toe wrestling is, yeah, that is fucking sad. You created this stupid-ass sport just so you guys could say you were world champions in something. That's pathetic. Yeah, they should be ashamed of they themselves. They should. And on top of that, you couldn't even come up... Yes, there's two sports that we've invented. Excuse me, three. Well, there's three sports that we've invented. Rugby, soccer, toe wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of in the same category. How do you know if you're good at it? How do you train for something like this? Uh, how do you train for any of these? I don't know. You, you just lock toes and the agility in that middle toe that you have, you're bred for this, sir. 
<laughs> you were bred for this. Like Costanza with the uh, the hand modeling. The hand modeling. Kind of really <laughs> <laughs> he had no idea. Yeah, like uh, how do you know that you have a nimble toe that can hold it's, another it's toe down? It's the type down? of sport that you suck at other sports. You're somewhat competitive as a person and you want to go into something. Yeah. So this is what you go into. And you're a hero in this bumfuck town that you're from. Good job. <laughs> I wouldn't wash my feet for a long time if I was doing that, you know? You know that they do. Do you get an advantage when you do that? You put you'll... snot on the ball. <laughs> you get a little Yeah, major league. Like, yes. hey, man, you got to get anything you can out of it. <laughs> All right. No, what's your number three? My number three is extreme ironing. Hey, me too. That is... yeah fucking crazy this thing this is the dumbest if i didn't have dumber ones this would have been number well i guess that's why i put it at number three another british sport i mean but it's everywhere now yeah i I couldn't believe when i look this up how this is evolved into extreme ironing so just to give you an idea Mm -hmm. this was started in britain and people were Taking their ironing boards, their <laughs> irons, obviously, and a shirt or pants or whatever, and deciding to do ironing in weird locations. That's how it started. The pilot light. Mm-hmm. That someone really, said, really okay, got things going. I'll go do it in the woods. Take a stupid picture, put myself on TikTok or whatever the hell they want to do. But no, no, no. We're going to one up that. Now a guy's going to do it on like a mountainside. <laughs> Then it goes up to skydiving. There's a video of this. It's crazy. I know. It's nuts. There's like three people surrounding this stupid ironing board, and And they're they're ironing ironing on it. Cool. They actually have a bureau, Extreme Ironing Bureau. So they have like a governing body over this insane sport, which is one of the most absurd things I've ever seen. They have judge competitions and and creativity and how extreme your ironing is. Is the next one they're going to jump into a volcano with it? I'd like to see that. They should all do it. I wouldn't be sad. If If you are that (laughs) ridiculous that you came up with this and you're deciding on different ways to iron, then I don't know what else there is for you to do. I didn't really understand. Do they judge how crisp the shirt is after this yes is that what it is absolutely and that's what's even crazier about it it's not bad enough in the extreme ironing world you can't respect a person enough to do it like in the upper stratosphere of the earth (laughs) the shirt needs to be crisp too and starched well that's the most important thing i guess you're right matt i think that's what the competition is right i guess if you're skydiving if you can't make a shirt crisp then you have no business you have no business in no, extreme what are you even doing here? you're just a skydiver like <laughs> anybody else exactly all right well good we got through number three there so what's your number two Noel? my number two is wife carrying I feel like i do that every day of my life yeah right <laughs> so wife carrying is a sport that started in finland and has become an international sensation to the point now that each country has their own national competitions to meet at the world championship in Finland. So Mm. to give you an idea what it's pretty self-explanatory, you know, you're obviously carrying your wife in this case, physically, not mentally or financially, (laughs) emotionally, (laughs) (laughs) your wife has to be a minimum of 108 pounds And you proceed to go on this obstacle course, which is about 250 yards long. It's got water. It's got logs, you know, sharks. 
Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yoda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're carrying. <laughs> yes, yeah. You came from that. Feel the force. So. You basically, there's different ways in which you can carry your wife. There's like fireman carry, you know, you do it across the back. But a popular one is this. Es- I'm a wrestling fan. I know what a fireman's carry is. Yeah, I know. Is I knew you would. I'm just mm-hmm. making sure the fans do. Right. And then you've got the Estonian carry, which is basically a reverse 69. <laughs> she okay. wraps her, her legs around your neck and is basically a backpack that way. And her face is in your ass. <laughs> and you're just running down the course. Hold on, is her face... Towards the ass or away from the ass? The back of her head is banging against your ass while you're running. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, that's... Go ahead, though. (laughs) So, and you're running down this course. So you have, you know, obviously, best time wins. Winner gets weight of the woman's in beer. That's your one of your wins. And weight of the woman in cash. But you have to have a minimum of 108. Now... Some of these Finnish dudes, I mean, they're big guys, and they've got like this little one on their back. They find these the littlest girl just for these competitions. I guess it's kind of like a jockey. You want the smallest that, one yeah. that you can get. But, you yeah. know, they should do a handicap one where the guy has to, you know, she has to put on, you know, sandbags or some shit and hold those. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous, and it is huge in Finland. Absolutely huge. It's so big. They do a huge opening ceremony with flags. You walk through the, the town. I mean, well, it should be an Olympic sport. It should. Wife carrying. It's been around yeah. since like the 1700s, too. But men have been carrying their wives a lot longer <laughs> than that, I promise you. Yep. Men can work from sun <laughs> to sun, but a woman's work, work is, is never, never done. done. <laughs> Except in the wife carrying competition. You're right about that. All right. Well, my number two. This is an interesting one. It mixes two very odd sports that have no business being together. It's chess boxing. So it kind of speaks for itself, but I'll kind of explain to you what chess boxing entails. So a chess boxing fight consists of 11 rounds, six chess, five boxing. You alternate between each sport and lasting three minutes. So you, you box, then you do chess, and then you go back to boxing. You know, unbelievable. A competitor may win by knockout, technical knockout, checkmate, or their opponent becoming disqualified, resigning or exceeding the time limit in the chess rounds. Typically, as the fight goes on, the standard of the chess, um, understandably, drops because they're beating the living shit out of each other. In the event of a tie during chess, the match is determined by the number of points earned during the boxing. If the fight ends in a tie, the winner is the combatant using the using the black chess pieces in chess, which is kind of bullshit. Is that like champion's advantage type of thing are you like is the champ always going to use black yeah probably kind of like in the uh, Ryder cup and shit like the the team that doesn't have the title has to win and if you tie it's outright yeah. regardless i mean you gave me a million rules there at the end of the day it's fucking chess boxing and it's stupid so what do you do well, you sit there play chess for for three minutes and then all of a sudden you hear ding ding and then what do they do just toss the fucking table out of the way and they just go well, they just go to work do, do they have the gloves on while they're playing? I don't believe so. Um, I think that they take the gloves That's off. That's a skill in itself, man. Well, but, you know, these aren't real boxers. They're not, like, taped up and shit. <laughs> it's, like, it's like those boxing gloves you used to use and beat the shit out of me with. Those old Sugar Ray Leonard gloves that I had? Beast. Yeah, so, so you want to hear a story about this. <laughs> Noel's five and a half years older than me, and we were children. So what he would do, we had one pair of gloves, the Sugar Ray Leonard. They were red. I remember the signature on the glove. Oh, yeah. And we're both left-handed. So Noel was nice enough 
to give me the left-handed glove to cover my left hand, the red I one. I didn't want you to hurt your hand. That was nice. But we had we had uh, snow mittens <laughs> for the other hand. So I had the... I had the boxing glove on my left hand and Noel had the snow mitten on his left hand. And he would genuinely punch me in the face <laughs> with the snow mitten with very little padding. No give. No give. Uh, I, you had this nice padded boxing glove on your left hand and I had this freaking little slip on mitten. <laughs> that gray slip on mitten. Oh man, I used to wallop you with that thing. It was great. Mm-hmm. It had uh, just enough give for my hand not to hurt, but not enough for your face. Yeah, it was, it was a good. solid move. But back to the uh, <laughs> chess boxing, whatever this is. In case you're curious, the motto of the World Chess Boxing Organization, and that's a real thing, is, quote, fighting is done in the ring and wars are waged on the board. Oh, my gosh. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> so stupid. All right, Noel, what's your number one? My number one is this one's nuts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nuts. It's called Buskashi. Okay? Bukaki? <laughs> <laughs> no. A different sport. Oh, okay, gotcha. Go ahead. Sorry. Just confused for a second. <laughs> it is a team game. <laughs> but the opponent, there's not just one opponent. Uh, okay. All right. No. But anyway, <laughs> we digress. It's called Buskashi. It's a sport out of Central Asia, Afghanistan, and places like that. This is a sport, and it translates into goat dragging, is what buskashi means. Oh, okay. So this is basically, they, they're on horseback. <laughs> Jesus. And they they have a dead goat. Well, at least it's already dead. That's a good thing, I guess. I mean, it had to be killed, though, in order to play the game, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I well. mean, yeah. So anyway... They have two teams of, I don't know, however many fucking players. It's like a polo match. The difference is you're holding a fucking big-ass goat like a football, <laughs> and you're taking it, and what? they have two holes on each end of the like their end zones, and you have to dunk this goat <laughs> into the fucking hole to score a point. What it the- is absolutely nuts. Now, the goat doesn't have a head. And it doesn't have hooves. So obviously it weighs about 90 fucking pounds. So these guys are dragging this sucker around. It hits the ground. They have their horses trampling on it to make sure the other team doesn't get it. It is absolutely nuts. So they only have one goat. One goat. Okay, so that's like the football. I got you. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's like the a basketball. Like fumble, yeah. and then they'll go over there and grab it, and then one guy will get it. They've got like a running back that they block for <laughs> with the horses. Yeah, Mike Except- Sellers up there. Maybe yeah, maybe he's right. doing that these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and they dunk it in this cylinder where that's where you score points. Wow. And that's the game. So apparently, it originated in this village. Obviously. The reason why it happened was because these two villages were stealing each other's goats. And the other people had to get horseback and run after them from stealing their goats. So they said, you know what? We got a game on our hands here, ladies and gentlemen. And they would proceed to have an annual event with a dead goat and battle each other to the end. Amazing. Check it out. That's awesome. I wonder why they decapitated the goat and dehooved it. If that's even a word. They don't want to hurt themselves. Maybe it's a little hard. They want yeah. the squishy body. I don't know. You know, it's fuck the goat. It's my well-being. <laughs> the goat brain is a delicacy, I'm sure, around uh, there. Absolutely. I'm sure yeah. that was in a stew while they were doing it. And then afterward, the winner gets the goat head stew. Yeah. Hey. 
It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, finishing things off, my number one, I don't think it's as good as the goat head thing, but it's called Slaps. This is hardcore, man. <laughs> Speaking of Netflix, that one's on there too. Is it? Check it yeah, out. I yeah. Show. yeah, I had no idea. So just so we're clear, Slaps has no governing body. It's in Russia mostly. Yeah. So are you really shocked by that? Not at all. They probably have this shit on the black market and people are betting thousands upon thousands of dollars on it. <laughs> Fucking um, biting chicken heads off. Throwing games. So if you haven't figured it out already, I mean, Slaps is just basically, it's, it's very simple. Two men stand face to face and take turns slapping the living shit out of each other as hard as they possibly can. They do this with their bare hands. There's no head protection. Each man has five attempts at slapping. And basically, whoever falls first is the winner. It's not even necessarily a fall sometimes. Sometimes a guy's face is so mangled at some points and so swollen that they're like, all right, they quit. They can't take another shot. I mean, we're not talking about some geek that like in a in a fist fight decides to slap you in the face. These guys are like world's strongest man shit that have like a, a hand like a damn mitt. A catcher's mitt. One thing I wanted to mention, though, um, no ear shots. On well, this good one, for no, them. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they got Their rid of that. They explode. saw the NFL and said, no, man, no Deacon Jones shit. How many people are pissed off about that? It's like, yeah, uh, that you was know. like their patented move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. When, um, you know, they took away like clotheslining the quarterback. Right. They're like, this is becoming a pussy sport. That's what I'm saying. Deacon Jones couldn't survive today, man. But there's this guy that I know just off the top of my head. He's called Dumpling. Mm. Complete beast in it. This Russian dude. He's the type of guy like the bouncer from hell if you were to run into this guy in a back alleyway. He is like one of the all-time champs. Crushes it. If you've ever seen Game of Thrones... And I know you probably have it, Matt, which is blasphemy. First three episodes. The Mountain. I know him. That's basically what this dude is. And he goes in there. I saw this one match where he had this little guy in overalls in front of him that looked like it was his first go rodeo. He's caught air, probably. <laughs> he almost slapped himself in the face just to get the fuck out of there. This thing is nuts, man. Yeah. It's nuts. They have techniques. They swing back like no. Got to no cup the hand properly, motion. you know. Cup the hand properly. It's like a golf yeah. swing. You know, you just have to make sure you get that thing in there right. Keep that elbow close. <laughs> it's nuts. But check it out. It is crazy. All right, great. Well, I think uh, that'll do it. I think everybody's dumbed down enough, and um, hopefully, we can come back from this. <laughs> No guarantees, though. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great weekend, and we will see you Tuesday. <laughs>